Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll... what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment, or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. Welcome to episode 44 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and finally joining me back in the Rack Shack again, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. The finally was a little bit, you know, exaggerated, okay? (laughs) Two intros I miss, (laughs) and I get a finally. Oh, man. That's not even right. I have a question for you. What's up? Did you find Ted Nugent in your world travels? I looked hard. Um, I had a I had a lead that he was down in Florida, so I went to Florida for four days to look for him. And I, I mean, I searched every beach and I searched every good food spot possible, and I did not find him. Wow! So I think I got garhold on the uh, Ted Nugent whereabouts. Well, I mean, that I guess that happens. Well, I really want to get a hold of him and just find out why he keeps dogging us and not coming on his podcast <laughs> yeah man i don't i don't know what to tell you i he, love it yeah, he's promised a dozen times i swear <laughs> but i didn't find him i did not wow. um unfortunately but i did find really nice beaches and good places to eat in florida <laughs> uh, dude hey that's okay i mean at least you got a good trip out of the deal right yeah i guess you know um podcast paid for the trip and all you know it was podcast worthy so <laughs> <laughs> oh wait you didn't know about that oh damn dude <laughs> oops oops oh yeah that's all right <laughs> so yeah although in other news <laughs> we had a uh kind of a local guy on we did i was actually pretty excited about this yeah 
you're the man for, I mean, you're the, you're our scheduling guy, man. It's kind of what I do, it, you it, know. It's kind of what I do. And you told me that you got him, and I did a little bit of research and a little bit of listening, and I was very, very surprised and very delighted by it. Yeah, and he mentioned a few things that I didn't even know in this episode. Like, he went to The Rock. The Rock. I was just literally in the campus yesterday. Yeah, SRU, man. Hell yeah. And I'm like, really? And then, you know, mentioned that he Zeely Nope area, and he lived, like, Within five minutes where I'm working now, it's just like crazy, <laughs> you know, and he, he lives in PA and he's getting it done. But uh, the, the the surprise guest, since we haven't mentioned his name yet, um, Bo Martonic. It's Ted Nugent. <laughs> it is Ted Nugent. Chuck actually found him. He's just bullshitting the whole episode. Yeah. Ted, was Ted from PA? No. I wish he was. No. He seems like he's from PA. It was not Ted Nugent. Um, if you guys have ever listened to the East Meets West Hunt podcast. He could have been my brother, you know, like literally <laughs> he might still be my brother. I don't know. But you the way know. we grew up, the similarities and stuff we talked about, it was literally one that grew up two doors down from us. I agree. You man. know, crazy. A burrito burrito. But he, he lives in a little cooler area than us, you know, yeah. what's that? 2.1 million acres of public land. So you guys all know where we're located with, with the, <laughs> with the New York and West Virginia border, right on the panhandle there. He is like north central to the panhandle. He's yeah. he's up in like wh- where the mountain lions live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Mountain lions, um, giant rattlesnakes. Chupacabras. Chupacabra. Bigfoot himself. Bigfoot himself lives there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's the area he's in. And he, I mean, he's killed two Bigfoots. He's literally created a tornado with a rattlesnake, a black tornado with a rattlesnake. The man is an absolute legend. And he has a mustache to back it up. Oh, the stash. Oh, man. I'm glad you brought that up because I uh, I actually forgot to bring that up in this episode. And I do apologize for everyone out there that was thinking about the stash and, and considering giving him good comments about it during the episode. And I totally forgot. Yeah, I mean, it happens. It is we, legendary, though. It is legendary. That is one of the best stashes I've ever seen. And anybody can pull that off. They can be my friend any day. I agree. It is almost as good as Ryan Callahan from, you know, oh, First Light, Meat Eater, close. and all those guys. It's very, very close. They have very similar. He's go- I think he's going for Ryan Callahan. I think so. He's going to get him. He's going to get him in the bag. Yep. He's younger. His, his facial hair grows faster. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I totally made that up. <laughs> yeah. It's all good, though. <laughs> but this is a great episode, guys. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, as always, man, we really enjoy everybody out there that listens to us. I don't think we touch on that enough. Like. If you're just listening to this for the first time, man, I don't I don't listen to the old ones. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to the old ones. Just go from here on out. We're getting but, better, I promise. Yeah, but we we do appreciate it. You know, we don't we don't probably cover that as much as we should. We have in in several episodes, but you know, we do this for you guys, and and we really enjoy it, and we have a lot of fun with it. So I'm glad people out there still randomly tag us on social media. That is like. A the Christ- coolest thing in the that's world. It's like Christmas morning. To Absolutely. Me. You know, when I see a random tag, I'm like, who is this? And I look into them, I'm like, wow, I would have never known about these guys. Yeah. You know, so that that excites me. Yeah, absolutely. And I also enjoy when people just randomly reach out to us on social media and say, hey, like, love listening to the show, just found it. Like, you guys are awesome. You guys yeah. are the real MVP. We don't take it for granted, I promise you. We Absolutely. Will, we answer everybody. We don't ever. Be like, ah, that that guy. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know. We we do enjoy talking to everybody and, and getting a little bit of feedback and and finding out who you guys want to listen to. 
and what kind of topics you guys want us to cover. I mean, we, we take that into consideration and we try and work our way around it and, and bring people on that you guys want to hear. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's bring Bo on the phone. Absolutely. Let's get him on. I like it. All right, guys. On the phone with us today, we have Bo Martonic from the East Meets West Hunt podcast. What's going on, Bo? Oh, nothing much, guys. Just uh, cooling off in the air conditioning room here when it's about you know ninety degrees outside. Which I'm not complaining. It's not raining, so I'll I'm, I'll take that any day. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We've had enough rain here to uh, satisfy any forest area or Seattle, possibly. I think we're giving Seattle a run for their money this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we are. That's <laughs> that's for certain. Oh, man. So that's awesome. Well, we got you on the podcast here today, and uh, we, we've we been following you for a little while now, and we really like your stuff, but we like to start everybody off way back when, at the very beginning. So why don't we start off with who you are and what you do for a living? Yeah, so like you said, my name is Bo Martonic, and I'm from north central Pennsylvania, uh, specifically the Elk County region. So I grew up here my whole life, and and moved away for a little bit, went to college at uh, Slippery Rock University, and and then ended up, you know, sticking around the Pittsburgh area for a little bit, and just kind of got drawn back to wanting to be back in this, you know, big woods setting. So where I live is right on the edge of the Allegheny National Forest, as well as 2.1 million acres of public lands in the form of state forests and state game lands. So it was pretty obvious why I had chose to, you know, come back here. And, <laughs> and so... What I do for a living is I'm an environmental health and safety engineer for a manufacturing uh, company. And so I do that. That's my day job. Um, I'd love to, to, you know, be saying that I'm doing something hunting related full time, but as most of our cases, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> and so that's what I do full time. And then, uh, also on the side, I, I run, as you said, the East meets West hunt podcast, just. You know, started that a little over a year ago to be able to help people, you know, from the East Coast plan, you know, adventure style hunts, you know, whether that's out West or even some of Pennsylvania through the Appalachian region and everything else. So, and within, within that, do some outdoor writing and just a whole bunch of stuff related to hunting. It seems like that kind of fully engulfs my, my life to a point of fault sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it, man. I dig it. Yeah. Well, growing up in yours beautiful PA, how did you start into hunting, man? So I was one. I'm one of the lucky ones that grew up in an extremely passionate hunting family, and so I think if I didn't grow up as a hunter, I probably would have been, you know, given away at an auction or something <laughs> at some point. It's uh, yeah, my family's huge into hunting and specifically archery hunting. So I I grew up shooting a bow. I don't know, maybe seven, eight years old. And really got into it from the beginning. So hunted with my dad and my, my grandfathers and my, my whole family. Like I said, we have a, a camp that we go to every year in, in archery season and, and then in rifle season as well. And it's so funny because when I tell most people, you know, from Pennsylvania where I'm from, they're like, Oh, you know, I have a camp up there. I know someone knows a camp there. And our camp's like literally right down the road from our house. It's just kind of like, a getaway like I could walk there if I wanted to so it's it's pretty funny but so that's kind of how I got uh you know started and it was just with my family and then when I went off to college met uh you know a group of guys that were really 
you know, in the hunting as well. So just kind of kept it going from there and kept the steam rolling. Nice. Yeah, man, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, kind of, I feel like it's kind of similar stories between all three of us, honestly. Like we all grew up hunting, our families hunted, we all kind of went to camps and oh yeah, the kind of the traditional PA hunter story, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, Pennsylvania, we're really lucky because the hunting heritage here is like no other place. Like it's, it's, it's something hard to describe to, you know, to people that don't live here, but in it, you know, at least where I grew up, you didn't have school on the first day of rifle season and we still have that as a holiday for work too. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. It doesn't go that way with my work, but it did yeah. that with school. <laughs> I wish it went that way with work, but yeah. Yeah, when I when I lived down by Pittsburgh, it wasn't that way, and I was like, "Wait, what do you mean?" Like, <laughs> even even if I was tagged out, like I love going to camp and and everything else. I'm like, "What do you mean? I'm gonna have to take a vacation day?" Or yeah. usually, I had them all burned up in archery season, so I'd have to pull a sick day on that one. Had <laughs> <laughs> <Atta> boy, <laughs> I'm yep. right there with you, man. <laughs> Priorities gotta have them right. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much save all my days for our out of state hunting trip and then maybe one day for the first day of rifle cuz I never want to miss that day. I mean that goes deep in our roots. Um and my dad doesn't even hunt with a gun anymore, but it's like something he'll never miss. You know, just the the camp style and the the atmosphere. It's it's just so much fun, man. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I could I couldn't agree anymore. That's that's the thing like I I really don't hunt with a gun a whole lot this past year. I didn't fill my archery tag, so I went out with a gun for the first time in like seven years, and it's just so it, it's still so much fun. Like, and and even when I didn't, you know, have a tag in my pocket, I was always, you know, going with the family, whether we were doing like you know a couple man push drives or or just you know just getting out and and uh, just like you said, the hunting heritage is so strong. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now you mentioned that you you didn't fill your archery tag last year, and you had to go out in rifle season. How was uh how was your season in general? Was it pretty good? Yeah, I mean it was. I I can't complain. I mean I I got to hunt probably more than I ever did, and that was all mostly because I was in the transition between jobs, and I used up all my vacation at one job, and then I got them to agree to you know to uh, use the vacation in my second job all in the last you know couple months of the year. So I I spent a lot of time hunting, but I just wasn't connecting with things i i had a week off at the end of october in pennsylvania and and it rained just about every day so i didn't um uh, had had one encounter with a really good deer and never never ended up being able to draw the bow on them and then i went to alberta actually to the the bow zone and i hunted up there as my first ever outfitted hunt that ever went on and that was a really cool experience had an encounter with a truly like world-class deer on the first night but he was on the other side of the the property boundary and was unable to to be able to pull the trigger on him but oh, and man. so i so that i missed what i would consider the best week in pa then but again i can't complain i was in alberta so yeah. um <laughs> yeah but it was like it was funny because i'm up there and you know the the land of the giants for whitetails and I, all I'm getting is pictures from my whole family and they're all tagging out that, oh, that week. Man. Like my dad and three of my uncles and my cousin, they all killed great deer. And, uh, you know, it was, it was killing me cause that's always the week I'm, you know, at camp there. But, um, like I said, I was, I was in Alberta and negative degree weather, you know, hunting just absolute giant deer. So it was, it was awesome. Which week of the season was that though? 
Was that, that would have been the last week of the okay. season. So like November 4th through the 9th, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So around here, like our, our biggest time where bucks were really hitting the ground was right around that Halloween time. 25, October 25th to probably November 2nd. Yeah. Deer were hitting the ground around here big time, man. It was crazy, man. And the deer activity was way up. Austin and I both filled a tag within what, a day of each other or something yep, like that. Yep. And our buddy filled one. I mean, they were all just dropping like crazy. Really? Yeah. That's, it's just that's weird. Funny. That, that was the week after, um, at least, you know, where I'm at, it seemed like, cause I was out that time frame that it sounds like you guys had luck and it was just raining the whole time and there wasn't much rutting activity that I saw at least. So I just thought the last morning before I had to get on the plane, I went out. It was like November 3rd or 4th and I had really good one. Um, come by me, but he was just, you know, head to the ground and wasn't reacting to calls or anything. Yeah. But that, that, um, so like there's like, I kind of think in PA, like two different times. The first cold front in the end of October. Oh, I yeah. Love that oh, time. my goodness. Me too, Meaning man. I'll be in the woods no matter what that first cold <laughs> front there. And then I, I like the last few days of the season. I'm on November 8th through like the 12th. That's when I seem to kill just about all my deer. Yeah. I think if work would just let you put in your request for the first cold front in late October, I would be <laughs> yeah. so money. Like that is the time frame that I would love to have my week off and just be in the woods every single day because it is absolutely amazing usually. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. It, I, I remember it was in 2017, which was like the best hunting season that, that I'd ever experienced at, at, at it was my girlfriend at the time. She went out with the bow on that first cold front. I had to work. I couldn't get off that day. And it was like October 25th, maybe even. And she killed a deer that scored 178 inches. <laughs> Holy <laughs> man. Baby. Yeah. It was, it was unreal. Like it just, everything just happened, you know, like it just, it was like that first cold front dozer, you know, thinking about coming into heat and the box is starting to go looking for him. And that's, and I've, you know, experienced that in other, you know, situations where anywhere from that 25th to Halloween can be just so good with yeah. the right weather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2017, it's funny you mentioned that. That was our family's best year by far. I yeah. have three brothers that archery hunt with me and my dad as well. And in three consecutive days, I was just looking at it. It was October 16th, 17th, and 18th. All three of my brothers each day tagged out on a buck so no way yeah sure shit i was working all three of those days <laughs> and the fourth day i said you bet your ass i'll be in the woods somewhere snuck out for like an hour and a half didn't see shit <laughs> but i did feel my tag last day last minute on the biggest buck i've ever killed and it it was by far wrapped up the best season we've ever had far none that's, it was awesome man yeah yeah i it, it's, it's crazy like that so that I remember that specifically because I have I had run a lot of trail cameras and I remember I have it written down that that cold there's a cold front that came through around that time frame. Yep. In October and my trail cameras lit up with day day walkers, you know, just great bucks hitting. And usually like that time I've never killed one in that middle of October time frame, so that was that was uh, interesting to me to see that. But uh, and then I think when I filled. So I filled my first tag. I filled my one in PA on November 8th. And then I drove, um, I, I stayed that night there. The next day I, you know, skinned the deer and did everything, processed the meat. And then I drove to Ohio through the night. And then November 10th, 
I, I killed a buck there the first day when I was in there. So that was like a just and crazy, you know, experience to be able to, to do that. And that's been the only time I've successfully, you know, done that back to back in both the states. That is absolutely awesome, man. Mm-hmm. I'm that's pretty awesome about that. That's, that's very difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was funny in 2015, a similar situation happened where I killed one in Ohio on November 11th. And I drove all the way back to the last day, which like, remember, I think, and, um, of PA. And I had the, the biggest buck that, that I had ever hunted. Um, and I missed him. So that could, it would have been done then too, but I just screwed it up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Dang. Well, one thing I was kind of interested in talking to you about is how did you kind of get bit by the, the Western bug? Yeah. So. That's a funny story. I, I had never, like, when I grew up and stuff, I never even really watched much, you know, Western hunting on TV. It just, what I saw was, like, the old, like, Primos videos and stuff of them elk hunting some of these ranches and everything. And just thought it was something that was out of my, like, out of something I could ever do and out of reach. And none of my family had ever hunted out west. So I just never really thought about it much until, uh, I think it was on Instagram or youtube or something i came across cameron haynes and saw that he was you know doing all the these you know elk hunts and talking about uh you know do-it-yourself hunting and and just basically doing what we do here in pennsylvania but doing it out west yeah and so i bought his book backcountry bow hunting and i read it and i was like all right i'm planning the elk hunt this year i had no idea where to start but just kind of dove into it head first and got my brother and my cousin to do it with me and we just went to colorado picked a spot on the map and it's funny because his book's pretty over the top as far as um like he is with like you know going to extreme places so i thought i gotta find the steepest most rugged country possible that's where i'm gonna kill an elk (laughs) well i got out there and i'm like holy shit like this is ridiculous (laughs) like these mountains are way bigger than google earth look that you know showed me oh yeah man and the first night in there had a bugle. We heard a bugle and it was just like from that moment on, I was just hooked and spent seven days living off our backs. We backpacked into an area and just never ended up filling the tag. I, I screwed up, um, uh, another encounter and we, we had probably maybe two encounters on that trip that were in bow range and just, you know, screwed them up, uh, just from lack of experience and everything else. But. When I got back from that, I was like, this is, this is awesome. Like, all I want to do is go out again. And the funny thing is, like, when you're on a hunt like that, it, it's not always enjoyable. Like, I'm making it sound like it's this, like, magical experience. And it, it, it can be when you're looking back on it. But a lot of times it's pretty miserable when you're in the, the situation. But what, what that did for me, at least, was, it just helped me in so many other aspects of my life of realizing like the day to day stuff that people complain and, and, you know, bitch about aren't really that big of a deal. And it just, it taught me a level of discipline that, that I may not have had, you know, prior to that. I just loved that process of, you know, planning for it and, and going out, you know, really testing yourself. Cause I mean, the only thing you're thinking about out there is hunting getting food or well, you bring food i'm not going to say i'm sitting there shooting squirrels or anything but, uh, <laughs> but like you know just as far as you got to find your water to be able to cook your food water for the day so you, you're focused on survival and hunting and it felt like you know that's what they did 
you know, hundreds of years ago. And that's just, I don't know, something about that just, you know, drove me nuts. And, and I wanted to, you know, keep doing it. That's awesome, man. Now, where, uh, where about do you typically go? Or, or I mean, like state-wise, are you a Colorado guy, Wyoming, Montana? Where, where was your first hunt? So up to this point, I've only hunted in Colorado out there. This year, I'm going to go to Idaho and change it up. Dude, but I Idaho's picked, awesome. I picked, you've been to Idaho before? Oh, yeah. I've been to Idaho, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, all those fun places. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> you. that's awesome. That's I'm jealous of that. Like, I, I love Colorado. Like, it's, I think it's the land of experiences. Like, you can, you can, you know, almost all of the, the units are over the counter. It's so easy to, you know, be able to go there and just, you know, get that experience. But, um, I just like seeing new places. Like, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I'm sure that if I'd go back to the same areas all the time, that I could probably do decent, you know, better than I have as far as, you learn how where their escape routes are. You learn how the elk adapt to people. You learn how people hunt the land and everything else. But I just like seeing new places, and that's kind of what's what has driven me to you know go to Idaho this year. That is awesome, man. You're honestly, I think you're gonna love Idaho. Colorado's awesome, but Idaho's something special, man. Yeah, like I the so like where I'm going at is a little bit more of some open country mixed with dark timber, and that just gets me excited. I want to do some glass and then you know all i've done at this point is basically you know running through the dark timber running ridges and bugling and that's fun and i like it but i want to be able to see you know i want to see what's going on um first light and then and at the end of the day just kind of them coming out and feeding and trying to put together a plan on it and i think that's that's an experience i'm really looking forward to absolutely man that's awesome yeah a little spot and stock action yeah, that would that would be that would be, you know, ideal. I'm yeah. really I'm really looking forward to it. So my buddy and I have been talking, we've been throwing the elk hunting trip around here for years. Um Anthony and I and Austin, but we were just talking about looking into it and like Idaho and Wyoming is two of the probably the bigger states that we want to go to first when we do this. Idaho seemed like it was just amazing, like you're saying amazing territory, amazing terrain. Just an unreal state for elk, but Wyoming might be the first one we go to just because it's a little bit closer. It's maybe a little more doable. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I look forward to hopefully getting out one day. We keep talking about it more than we we, we end up doing it, but <laughs> hopefully yeah. 2020 will bring some kind of out west hunting trip. I, I just met up with a, a good family friend and uh, she recommended somebody for an antelope hunt possibly in Wyoming that she has a contact out there. So that might be my first trip out there just to experience it. Yeah. You know, I, I've never antelope hunted, but a lot of people I talk to say like, that's a really good introduction to Western hunting yeah. is, you know, going on an antelope hunt. So that's, that's something that's on my list. My brother's doing it this year. He's doing a Wyoming rifle uh, antelope hunt. He drew a tag and, and I, I want to go to Wyoming too to hunt elk. Like that's, that's something I just mm -hmm. never understood the state enough before. I never looked into it enough. And I was really, uh, once I learned like this year, I was really researching all the states and, and learning how their system works. And, and then just from talking to a ton of different people, I mean, Wyoming seems like a, a pretty great state for opportunity. Um, you know, if you get a tag there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A lot of my family. Does a lot of hunting in Colorado, but, uh, more so my, my mom and my, and my dad and stuff like that. They typically go a lot more to Wyoming and they've drawn quite a few tags. And my grandfather shot 
oh man, I don't even know, five or six pretty good bulls out in Wyoming, and it's it's definitely a uh, a big elk state for for sure. Yeah, and their percentages, their success percentages, as high as any other state. Yeah, based on you know just how many hunters are out there and and everything else. I mean, it it seems like the perfect kind of state, but there's got to be a reason why. I don't know. Yeah, and and the one thing I think that maybe has a little bit to do with it i'm not saying it's you know everything but wyoming doesn't allow their non-residents to hunt wilderness areas without a guide correct and that's all that was kind of a turnoff to me at first but now the more i'm learning like you don't need to be in a wilderness area and that's i've learned in colorado the wilderness areas tend to bring more people because Hmm. that's what's attractive to it oh i can get you know this far back but i'll tell you one thing i was hunting we're, our camp was set up nine miles back or not, not about eight miles back in and we were hunting up to 11, 12 miles from the truck and we were running into more people than I was in spots that were, you know, two to three miles from the road. So it's not always about, you know, going in as deep as you possibly can because that's kind of, there's so much information on that now that that's kind of what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Right? Isn't that incredible? That's, that's, that's where the outfitters are too. You know, that's where they're packing in and, mm-hmm. and doing everything. So that's, I've kind of had a, a different outlook on it. And this year, I'm, I'm going to do more truck camping instead of backpacking and just trying to have like literally 10 to 12 different spots picked out that I can bounce around to until I find the elk, you know? No, I don't there blame you, go. man. And so, be a little more mobile. Yeah. So let me ask you, for someone like me that just were interested in it, but afraid to take the leap, would you suggest making the leap and planning a hunt out west similar to how you did it just to find out the hard way? what the experience consists of and what you need to improve and adjust to be successful or what would you have done different from your first year, just jumping out there and going and doing it? So I would definitely say no matter what, do it. I mean, mm-hmm. just go for it. Cause you're going to learn so much, but it, as far as how you want to scale it, I guess comes down to, all right, is this something you want to do every year? If it is, then I would do it the way that, you know, I did it and just kind of went out there and gave it a shot and learn it. But if it's something like it's a bucket list item just to kill an elk, you don't really plan on going out, you know, every year, three, every two, three years, then if you can save up the money to go with an outfitter and learn that way and maybe increase your success, you know, rates, then that might be the, the way to do it. There's like, so like from the beginning, I was all, you know, you know, do it yourself. And I, I think there's a lot of pride in doing that, but you can, if you're an active member of the hunt and an outfitted hunt, you can learn so much. That'll reduce your learning curve when you want to go by yourself, you know, down the road too. So it all comes down to what your budget is because you can, you can go on a hunt like I did, a do it yourself hunt for around $1,500 to $2,000. That's, that's everything included. That's, that's, you know, your gas, your tags, food, you know, everything that's included in it. And, you know, an outfitted hunt, you're going to look at a little bit more, um, probably two, three times that, but, Again, it it all depends on what you want out of the experience to be able to do that. Makes sense. Makes yeah. total sense. And Absolutely. I think for us, it would probably be maybe one of those every two or three year kind of deals. Because I, I know once I do it and I hear the first bugle, it's going to be all over. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got all hooked up on a damn turkey gobble. I know bugle's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Be prepared to go down a rabbit hole that's going to just, <laughs> I mean, I just completely went all in as soon as I, you know, did it for the first time. So 
be prepared for that. Yeah, I see it on your podcast all the time, man. You always you talk a lot about out west hunting and the the gear reviews and and that kind of thing. And I think you have a ton of good information on your podcast. If anybody from this area, that's what's so great and relatable about it. You're from this area and you're making these trips, you're planning these trips, and you're going over everything you need to do to be, you know, whether it's successful or just get you prepared for it, you know, you're, you yeah. have it. So No, it's funny because, like, with the, the podcast, I tell everyone this. I'm like, listen, I do not have the experience or, you know, the success to back it up to even try to say that I'm, you know, an expert elk hunter or anything. I'll never, you know, pretend to say that. That's why I get people on the podcast that right. know way more than I do. And I just ask the questions that hopefully, you know, everyone else is wondering themselves. And I, I know how to plan the hunts now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and to get into elk and, and everything else, you know, it's, I, it's just a, you know, a learning experience and I'm going through it myself, you know, hopefully, you know, the, the, you know, increased success rates start to climb as they do with whitetails because I've hunted them my whole life, you know. Yeah. And that's what I'm really, you know, that's what I look forward to. And I, you know, try to tell everyone else that, that it, you know, whatever it's, it's whatever kind of experience you're looking for. I just really think someone should give it a try. It may not be for you, but it might be something that's life changing. You just, you don't know. Let me ask you the hard question. Do you plan on staying in Pennsylvania or do you eventually want to move out West? Oh man. (laughs) man. I go through that every day in my head. I just, I just got back, um, yesterday from Colorado. I was visiting my brother just for the long weekend. He, my brother moved out there after he got out of the military a few months ago. And, oh, I was out there and I was like, I want to live here so bad. And, and at the same time though, like if, if I could get a little bit more time off work to make a few trips out there every year, I think that would satisfy my need. Yeah. But, uh, I, I can't answer that question, you know, one way or another. <laughs> there's there's some days I'm fully in it, like I'm going. And then there's other days that I'm like, I really do like Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania, yeah. in my opinion, is a great state. So No, I totally agree with that. But on the flip side of that coin, if you pick the right state, you can still hunt whitetails out there. Mm. That's true. Oh, yes. That's it. That, that's why Montana has drawn me. Oh, yeah. You can hunt, yeah, you can hunt Big Woods Whitetails there. And I had a guy named Josh Boyd on my podcast talking about hunting whitetails, you know, in the mountains there. And, oh, he's killed some absolute slammer whitetails. And then, you know, you can hunt elk, mule deer, everything else. You know, not a lot of people pay attention to the whitetails out there because, you know, like in Montana, the, your whitetail, it's a deer tag. So it's either for a mule deer or a whitetail. And right. most people are interested in mule deer. The whitetails are just kind of like rats to them. Yeah, and they get overlooked for sure. I, I'm ser- Yeah, that's just the way it is. And I mean, Wyoming has great whitetail hunting. Idaho, you know, Colorado is mostly the whitetails are on private land. So in the eastern side, but Wyoming, Montana, Idaho are definitely some really good spots. Oh, yeah, man. See, what the beautiful thing about that is then you get the resident prices in Montana. So you can take your time off and come visit back in Pennsylvania for super cheap because our out-of-state licenses are ridiculously cheap. And you can are still you, hunt here. Are you there. trying to make me move out there? <laughs> oh, I'm trying to live my life me. through you, Bo. You see what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I know. I got gotcha. you. You know what? I might just have to do that for you. <laughs> But one of my one of my buddies moved out there from uh, New York, and uh, his name's Tim Bueno, and and he 
he's uh, uh, living, I can't remember exactly where he lives at out there, but he's living the dream. Like he's sending me pictures all the time. He's out scouting every weekend from whitetails, elk, everything else. And he's like, man, you need to make the move. <laughs> like, you're killing me, dude. <laughs> That's tough, man. The pick up and move, you know, and leave family and everything else. Again, it goes back to the Pennsylvania roots, you know. You're doing yeah. this with your family, friends, loved ones. Like, this is what it's all about. That's why we stay here and, you know, chase the whitetails and chase the dream here. And then yeah. when we can, we fill our bug elsewhere. You know, but yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. That's, that's been my biggest hang up is I'm really close to my family and everything else. So that's, that's been tough to, to, you know, consider doing that. I mean, I've considered doing it for a few years, you know, but, mm -hmm. and, you know, coming back when I can to Pennsylvania, but family's huge for me. And, and, um, you know, I get to experience that's like one of the best parts about, you know, whitetail hunting here. And it's, it's funny, most camps here, you know, everyone gets together in rifle season where everybody in my family, we do that, but we take a week off. The first week of November is like everyone, every night everyone's up at camp talking about what the rut activity is looking like in their area and, you know, everything else. And that's, that's a special thing in its own. Dude, yeah. that's actually really cool. I like that. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's almost a little better trip. And we kind of, I mean, we do that pretty much. We have that kind of tradition for the first of everything, for the most part. I mean, first day of archery, we're up the camp. You know, we're up there for the weekend before going into it or a couple of days before the Saturday opener. You know, first day of rifle, we're all up there. It, it, first day of trout, you know. It's just, it's nice to get away and, and be with family and kind of experience everything that you love with the people that got you into it or started you into it. And that's kind of where our traditions go. That's the roots of pennsylvania and that's what we do you know it's it's, yeah. it's awesome i wouldn't trade it for anything personally especially even montana wouldn't even trade it for montana <laughs> yeah you, you want me to live that for you exactly you. see <laughs> I, I do this all the time i i talked my one buddy into buying a saddle just so i could kind of live that through him and then um you know maybe experience <laughs> it through him it's it's an evil plan, but I have a good ending to that evil plan. <laughs> yeah, when he gets sick of it, and then he sells it to you, right? That, well, you know, maybe just the. It was more on the. I get to try it for free. A little try before you buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm. I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to go down the saddle uh, hole this year and just give it a shot. Yeah, I've you're... been kind of. I haven't been. I've been kind of closed minded to it you mm -hmm. know, for, for a while, and. I actually tried one out and I'm like, man, these things are awesome. And it could be, it's just so lightweight. And for a lot of what I'm doing here, hunting and, you know, the big woods stuff and I'm scouting and hunting at the same time, you know, I'll, I ground hunt a lot until I find, you know, the hot sign I'll set up right then and there. And when you're carrying around standing sticks, even though that, you know, I have a, a decently lightweight setup now, it's, it's, uh, it's still cumbersome to do. Mm -hmm. And, when you, you know, you're more apt to change and move with a saddle, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, yeah. I can't say from experience because I haven't done it yet, but no. I think, I think we're going that route. We're, we're leaning towards that route. You've actually transitioned pretty much. I, I listened to your podcast with Greg Godfrey and you've transitioned very similar to how we've transitioned. You know, we've always started with climber stands, you know, climber yep. stands were our mobile way of hunting. And then Austin, Started the game a little early on the mobile game, more of a sticks and the mobile stand. And then he got me into it last year. And oh my God, I, I'm not turning back from that. But 
Then yeah. you introduce the saddle option, which takes that even step farther with lighter weight and more opportunity and possibilities. And it's like, oh, man, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like my climber. I used to take good naps in that climber, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I believe me. Like, like you said, like in the podcast with Greg, I talked about it. It's like. I, I, climbers are my life. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what I thought of mobile hunting. And, and then once I figured out, like when I figured out how to, you know, the hang and hunt system, you know, I've, I've used hang ons, but it was always these giant heavy stands with the, the big, you know, steel sticks that I would carry and set up, you know, at the beginning of the season and then tear down later, but it wasn't very mobile. Yeah. Right. You know, I right. was kind of stuck to that spot and I'd, I had like, you know, six, seven stands and I'd have them set up around and, now I can use one stand really. I, I do use my climber still sometimes. If I find like an area that's got some really big straight trees, I'll still use one. But um, I, I don't like to hunt real high. I don't climb usually any higher than 10 to 14 feet. And so that's why the, the it's nice because I can get in some weird looking trees that give me cover that aren't very high up with, you know, a, a hang, hang on stand and some, you know, four, three foot sticks. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt about it. That's kind of what intrigued me on it, you know, because my climber was my life. But you know, you get out to a spot and you'd start looking around, and you're like, "Well, there's a climber tree, but it's in the wide open, and there's no cover." And then you end up thirty, forty yards away from where you really want to be. And yep, you know, now this past year, I go to that same area and I find something ten yards away, fifteen or twenty yards away. You know, perfect shooting distance to the lanes I want to shoot, and you know, the areas I really want to hunt. And it, it, it opened up my world. I'll be honest. I, there's no way I'm going back to the, and, and I do a little bit of both. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I shot a deer out of ladder stand this year, you know, in one of yeah. the, the better spots. And I just stayed out of it all year long and went into it late season and, or later in the regular season. And I shot a doe out of it. So, um, yeah, you know. no, I, 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 I agree with that. And one thing I learned when I was up in Alberta hunting with, uh, Jim Hole, he's, I mean, he's a legendary, you know, outfitter up there. And, he taught me a ton and they use all like the lone wolf stands up there and, but they, they have pegs in the trees, but they have like, it's private land. So they have, they can put, you know, pegs right in the trees and they have like a hundred, literally 180 different tree setups, but you just use, you, you hang the stand and take it down every day, but the pegs are in the tree. So, but the way he has all the stands set up is your stands facing away where you plan to shoot. And you're basically standing the whole time, leaning your shoulder into the tree. And that just, once, once I figured that out, like it actually, it makes a ton of sense. It hides your figure so much better too. So you can even get in an open tree and you're kind of behind it. And you can't always predict where the deer are going to come from. But if you have an area where you're kind of hoping they're going to come through, whether that's a, you know, a logging trail or something else that's in front of you, you know, setting up that stand the opposite direction. And leaning into it that way has been been really cool to to learn how to do that. And and I, I like trying to get as close as possible. I like those, you know, 15, 20 yard shots. I mean, that's that's my you know bread and butter. You really can, you know, you can see every movement on the deer. You gotta be you gotta be, you know, good and on game on your game with it to to be able to execute that. No, I'm right there with you, man. I like those 15, 20 yard shots too. And you know, there's been a couple times where I thought I was going to push the envelope and I, and I didn't. And I'm, I'm very glad that I didn't, but you know, deer don't always write the script or play the script out the way that you want it to. And 
you know, those 15, 20 yard shots make it so much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about those, man. They sure do. Yeah. I think yeah, both. that's, uh, I, yeah, I want those, you know, all day. And, yep. and, uh, you know, if an opportunity presents itself further, you know, I practice for that, but it's just, I, I try to have my setups closer. I hunt in a lot of, you know, thicker areas and things like that, that I kind of, uh, handicap myself with, with shots is, is just the way my setups are too. Yeah. I think both of, both of our deer were inside of 20 years or 20, 20 yards this year that we shot. Mine was 20 on the nose this yeah, year. Yeah. Mine was like eight steps. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes it nice and easy when you get those so-called chip shots. I'll tell you that much. Um, it, it takes a lot of pressure off trying to squeeze off a 40 yard shot on an alert, oh, mature yeah. whitetail. Absolutely. You know? But there's one more thing. I know we're getting up there on time and there's one other thing I really wanted to cover with you, Bo. Yeah. Um, so what would it mean to you to draw a PA bull elk tag and fill a tag on a slob bull in your home state? Oh man, you're you're hitting home right now. That's <laughs> like that's my ultimate dream is drawing a bull elk tag. And a lot of the reason is because I hunt a lot of these areas anyways for whitetails, and I, I live here so I can scout them. You know, like I'd love to be able to scout elk like in, in my home state. And, you know, get, draw one of these brand new archery tags in the end of September and just call, I want to call them in. I want them to be bugling right in my face and I want to shoot them <laughs> to like 10 yards. That's my goal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, it's, it's funny because I, I always joke about it. Like before there was an archery season here, which this will be the first year for archery elk, I would go out west and I'd come back here and go out with my bugle tube. And call in a bunch of bulls just to make myself feel good. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. I've been out there one time to look at the elk and drove around. And man, that is just some beautiful country. And to see all them elk, it's unreal. We have one hell of a herd. And I really do like the changes they've made to the seasons and the draws and the tag system and everything. You know, uh, I remember years back, my dad got drawn for a cow elk tag. And he went out and, and he took an elk with a, with his bow. And he was like, I think the only one that year to actually take a, an elk of bull or cow with a bow. And it was really awesome. Just really? Exp- that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He hit the redneck lottery. You know, it, yeah, it wasn't a bull it. elk, but still, uh, he, he had so much fun doing it. And, you know, my, my cousin was there and my brother, my older brother was there with him. And, and it was just one hell of an experience. I know he'll never forget. And even yeah, though I wasn't there. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a, unreal, said, man. It's a dream. It's a dream of mine to to do that, and and just like Pennsylvania, just the, like you said, their herd is doing so well, and they are doing really good things with management of the herd. And now their hunting seasons, you know, they're getting better and opening them up. And and I don't know if if you were like if you spent a lot of time right around Benazette, that's one thing. But when you get into some of the extended parts of the herd, like out really in the middle of nowhere, which Benazette's in the middle of nowhere, but the elk that aren't like, you know, coming into the camp yards, it's like <laughs> hunting them out west in, in a way. You know, they're not pressured, so it's a little bit easier to call them in and everything, but they, it, you can get some really cool remote country and, and it's, it's just crazy to see elk in, you know, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I think the first time I saw the, like the elk crossing sign or the kind of like we have the deer crossing sign down here 
One, yeah. it scared the shit out of me. Could you imagine hitting an elk in a car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and two, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world, just being in elk country. And we drove all around that day, um, my wife and I. We just drove all over the place. And, yeah, we saw all the elk in the campgrounds eating apples basically out of people's hands. Just these giant bulls. It, it's It's ridiculous to know that a few hours away or a couple hours away from home, you can go look at elk and it's it's wild to me you know we're not that yeah. far from it we're not that far removed from it oh i know and like so it's we go shed hunting for them every year which oh, in my man. opinion is tougher than you know there's more people out than there's the first day of rifle season for deer <laughs> like they're it's crazy but uh i think it was last year, a couple years ago my dad found a set that pushed 400 inches oh, and man. like just holding elk antlers that size is just like are you kidding me like these live in pennsylvania it's (laughs) it's it's almost stupid it's just it's awesome though that is awesome man well we don't want to keep you all night but before you go do you want to let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find your podcast yeah so you can uh check out my podcast anywhere you can find podcasts that you know itunes spotify youtube google play all those places if you just search east meets west hunt or you can head over to my website which is eastmeetswesthunt.com. Podcast is on there. I have some of my journal articles as well as uh, apparel that I sell to help fund the podcast. And um, then over on social media, Instagram, East Meets West Hunt, and then my personal page is at Bo, B-E-A-U, dot Martonic, M-A-R-T-O-N-I-K, and then over at Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors. So you can check that stuff out there and and if you're, you know, really interested in planning, you know, an adventure style hunt, whether that's out west or maybe in the Appalachian Mountains here in Pennsylvania or anywhere here in the East Coast, uh, I'd love if you checked it out and, you know, gave me some feedback and everything else. Couldn't agree more, man. Your stuff's awesome. And uh, I know I'll be listening to a lot of it and following along. And hopefully we can plan something between our buddies and I out west and just get out there and do it like you said yeah well i I appreciate that and if you ever have any questions uh you know who to ask (laughs) absolutely that's right hey we appreciate (laughs) you coming on brother yeah absolutely thanks a lot man thanks yeah thanks for having me on really appreciate it guys well a huge thanks to bo martonic for coming on the podcast that guy's awesome i know we had to cut it a little bit short because of time but you know what he's a busy guy we're busy guys we both podcast it's what you got to do yeah Absolutely. It's a little short one, but man, we really packed in so many different really good conversations into a short episode. Yeah. It felt like a two hour long episode because we didn't ramble as much as we usually do and talk about dumb shit like (laughs) I usually do. (laughs) But but it was good, man. And, you know, time constraints kind of hurt us a little bit with uh, the Mesozoic era computer that we're working with here. And, you know, I think this thing thawed out from the Ice Age and Austin found it. And down in the Slippery Rock Creek, and, you know, he's been using it ever since. So it, it decided to do a last-minute update on us and, you know, put us a little behind on schedule. It did. We had to cut it a little bit short because of it. But, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> and we, we're we professionals, so we work our way around it. That's right. It is what it is. Maybe we'll just have to bring Bo back on again. I think we need to bring Bo back on again. You know, it'd be cool to meet with him somewhere halfway where he is and where we are and just kind of shoot the shit and get to know one another. Because, like I said in the intro... This guy is so relatable. Absolutely. 
you know, so relatable. And I'm only busting your balls about the computer thing. It, it may not have been the Ice Age. It might have been just after that. Yeah. Um, you the know, Stone Age. Stone Age, possibly. Right. But right. honestly, you know, I can't, com- I can't even make fun of you because my computer was definitely before Moses' time. So, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> one way or another, we're going to get a new computer soon. It's going to be good. It's going to no. be no better. We're, we're doing just fine. I agree. Um, you know, and honestly, this might be one of our best episodes. I like it, man. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, he's a good guy to talk to. I mean, the topics that we that we covered, I mean, they're kind of relatable to everybody. And I feel like they're kind of especially relatable to everybody on the East Coast. Right. You know, we talked a little bit about deer hunting. That's kind of our bread and butter. But then we went into, like, everybody from the East Coast dream, going out west yep. and hunting elk and, and just actually making time and just getting out there. Yep, making that a reality. Absolutely. You know, we think about it, and I mentioned it, we talk about it, and it's it's something that as Bo mentioned, was it felt unattainable. Right. But it's not. It's really not. You just have to be, I guess you just have to set aside the time and the money and you have to be disciplined and put the time in to actually go out and do it. Oh, yeah. No, man, I couldn't agree more. But But it it was fun and I hope if anybody needs that kind of advice, they really reach out to Bo because he's one guy that would definitely help and, you know, he's like us. He's not going to ignore you. You know, he's definitely going to talk to anybody that needs advice or help on something. Absolutely. I mean, look at him. He came on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's charity work. I actually signed off on his worksheet for charity hours. Oh, beautiful. Come on our, come on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I do I do encourage all of you to head over and, and check out the Eats Me's West Hunt podcast. That's right. Just get on there. Check it out. I mean, there's not a boring episode on there. You guys will love it. Especially if you're looking to get into a Western hunt of any kind. Mm-hmm. He still covers stuff from Pennsylvania. He's a Pennsylvania boy. Yep. Rattlesnake hunting, just like Leatherwood Outdoors, bow hunting for whitetails, all that fun stuff. But his passion is going out west and hunting. So that's I cool. agree. Yeah. Definitely. And I think he has his own little niche there. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. But another thing, too, I want to mention, go on his website and check out his blogs and some of his writing. He is a phenomenal writer, and he covers a ton of really good topics. Yeah. I was poking around on there today, just looking through them and reading through them. I mean, the man, he does it all, you know, and he's just another normal guy from Pennsylvania. I dig it, man. Make sure you guys check out all of his social media on Instagram, Facebook. He plugged it at the end of the episode, so make sure you guys head over there and check it out. It would also be greatly appreciated if you guys would go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We ask you guys to do this every week, and I noticed that a few of you have been doing it, so we greatly appreciate that. But it helps other hunters like you and other people who enjoy podcasts just like you to find our podcast and give it a listen. You know, we would also greatly appreciate if you went over to our social media and checked us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Go Wild, Twitter. 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 I don't do anything on Twitter. I got to pick up my Twitter game. On the Twitter sphere. I fell off the Twitter Twitter sphere. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> you <would> say that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know where to find us. That we yep. we plug it out each and every week. But you guys are the best. I don't know if we told you that lately. Yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. You guys are awesome. And yeah. there's more places to find us now. We came to find that you can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us all over the place. So yeah. anywhere. anywhere the podcasts are found, you can find us. I also encourage you guys. We're trying to plan an out of state trip. You guys can always. Reach out to us and pick up one of our hats, one of our t-shirts, all that fun stuff. It helps fund this podcast and it helps fund us to go out west and have fun stuff, fun experiences like Bo. Live the dream. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's end this because we're getting a little long-winded. I agree. (laughs) The distraction is real. The distraction is real. Let's go. 
From antelope in the Western Plains to the whitetails of the Midwest and giant black bears in Canada, watch 100% bow hunting action on Respect the Game, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.